You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. He's coming up here shortly, as is David Brandt, good friend of the pod, to talk about this LSU mess. I'm in another mood. I'm going to apologize in advance. Because again, where is the national media? It's a little different how they're covering LSU compared to Ole Miss's NCAA investigative case. But other things to cover as well. Ole Miss recruiting has remained hot. Picked up two commitments on Wednesday. Touch on that as well. Before we get into any of it, let me tell you briefly about my bookie. It's the most wonderful time of year that can't end soon enough. We all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket, and we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is my bookie. They're the only sports book that doesn't care whether you were naughty or nice this year. They've got gifts for everyone. Bet NFL, NBA, all your favorite college sports and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer, a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start, but we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of the holidays this year and strut into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winner bet the best. Bet with MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. On this Thursday, David Brandt of the Associated Press, a good friend of the program, he's coming up here shortly to talk about LSU, Ole Miss's upcoming opponent, and also the program in the sights of the NCAA. I eagerly await the scathing columns, the in-depth, hardcore, hard-hitting long forms to come from the national media after LSU announced on Wednesday that it's implementing a one-year self-imposed bowl ban at three and five. How brave! But also, some recruiting stuff is going on with Ole Miss. It continues to roll. Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? When you saw the LSU news, you thought what? Well, whenever I saw the headline, I was like, man, that looks eerily similar to what just happened to us a couple of years ago. So um, it looks like they're trying their best to, um, you know, give themselves a bowl ban. But whenever you're willing to give yourself a bowl ban that quick, it's obviously a little bit more serious than, than, than we realize ourselves. So I think, I think they may actually get the hammer laid on them. Well, I wait with bated breath for LSU to get the hammer laid down in regards to violations. Ole Miss, everybody, the media, the NCAA, an insane in-state beat reporter for the rival school, they were all after the same thing. To put Ole Miss in its place, to tell Ole Miss what you did is unique to any other program in college football. You did it at a level that had not been done before since SMU, which was completely not supported by any facts. But that's what they said. The facts in regards to LSU's case, what we've learned so far, is far worse 
than Ole Miss's. And yet the media, like I talked about on Tuesday, has been silent. Where are they? Where is Dan Wolgan? Where is Pat Forty? Where is Thomas Mars? Where is their Steve Robertson equivalent? Nowhere to be seen. So I appreciate that you have faith that the NCAA being the laughable organization that it is would actually punish LSU to the same level that it punished Ole Miss. I think, however, what the NCAA is ultimately going to do is pat LSU on the head for its diligence in self-imposing a bowl ban like Ole Miss did. Ole Miss, you still got more bowl bans. LSU, good for you. See, this is what we at the NCAA want our member institutions to do. That's what I expect. Because this is what always happens. If you're a particular blue blood, you're protected. You have to break through the glass ceiling. Clemson was in a place where it was about to break through. And there was a lot of NCAA noise around Clemson. But they broke through. And once they broke through and became a big money earner for the NCAA, not to the level of Alabama, but in that same group, then they became untouchable. Ole Miss didn't break through. Fourth and 25 happened. Had they gone to Atlanta that year, they would have won. They would have beaten Florida in that rematch. They would have gone to the playoff. What would have happened? No one knows. But Ole Miss was playing about as well as anybody at the end of that year. They had a good shot. You break through the glass ceiling, the NCAA backs off. You have to make yourself too big to fail. If you're not too big to fail, they'll punish you all day. If you're too big to fail, they'll do anything they can to run cover for you. So forgive me if I'm skeptical about the NCAA truly coming after LSU. The national media has already shown its complicity in LSU effectively putting out a big PR campaign in regards to its infractions. Breaking NCAA rules is not breaking the law. Giving kids money, Odell Beckham giving those kids money after the national championship game, cool, I support that. What bothers me is stealing from a charity. That bothers me. That's more in that gray area of breaking the law. That's what should be really, really hardly punished. But LSU is too big to fail. Yeah, I like I like that analogy. You know what? It makes me think it's, it's just it's no different in, in sports or in, in football in general. Whenever a a high dollar, high class pro bowl type player goes out and gets a DUI, it goes real silent real quick. But on the yeah. same time, a, a undrafted uh, free agent, a guy who's not very good or, or just a role player goes out and gets a DUI and it's plastered all over the news. And they make a huge example of him because they really care about character in the NFL, but whenever that high dollar guy does it, it's really, really quiet. Low dollar guy does it. He's out of there. So yes, it's, it's no different that they make an example out loud for those who they can, they can afford to, to um, you know, to, to throw by the wayside. So yeah, I like that analogy. Kareem Hunt has domestic issues. The Kansas city chiefs cut him. He gets a second chance. One of the best running backs in football with the Browns. Chad Kelly gets drunk at a Halloween party, ends up drunk on his ass in a stranger's home on the stranger's couch. It's bad. We all agree it's bad, but he's out of football. The same Chad Kelly that before his injury, his final year at Ole Miss, was in contention to be a top two round pick, fell all the way to the last pick in the draft. He was Mr. Irrelevant. And he was on pace to ultimately start at some point for the Broncos. He was going to get starts. But you're right. If you're one of those guys, if you're not too big to fail, you don't get second chances. That's when all the other stuff like character, it's lying. It's lying. It's a PR stunt. That's what it is. They don't have any morals in sports. Yeah, it's all about one thing, man. And it's this is unfortunate, but this is the truth. Money is everything in sports, and they they base all decisions off of um, you know the bottom line. So. Um, it is what it is. It always will be that way. I don't care what anybody says. You can say the whole character thing means something, but when it comes to, to sports and organizations in general, they care about the bottom line. That, that's all it is to it. LSU has Ole Miss and Florida left. Ole Miss is obviously not playing this weekend because of the COVID-19 outbreak team-wide. They don't resume football activities until at least Saturday. I don't know if they're going to resume, but that's the plan right now is to resume on Saturday. I think there's real doubt that this LSU game happens because I think LSU is having its own problems outside of this. I think there's some COVID stuff going on with LSU. So Ole Miss might be done for the regular season. And if Ole Miss is done for the regular season, I'm okay with it. 
Get ready for your bowl, finish off your recruiting, carry this momentum. But everything is stacking up against Ole Miss and LSU playing next Saturday. I'm not predicting anything. I'm not leaning one way or the other. But if you read the tea leaves, that's what it at least feels like right now, that that game is in real danger of not being played. And if you lose the LSU game, in your opinion, is it much of a loss? If we if we do not play the game, um, I mean, I, I certainly want to play this game. It's Ole Miss LSU. It's of a course. big game. It would probably be. I mean, there's a tell. When's the last time Ole Miss LSU hasn't played? Would be the question. Oh but, man. Um, I think at this point that people are starting to understand the situation. I think, quite frankly, people are tired of it. You know, it's like at, 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 some, at some some point, fans start losing interest, and when all these games are canceled, you don't know when they're going to be played. I mean, people start focusing their attention on other things. So. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if it were, if it were not to happen, it, it would definitely be super disappointing. But at this point, it's just, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's either or at this point for that game. If Ole Miss was playing LSU this weekend, or if they do play LSU next weekend, you've watched LSU all year. What's your evaluation? What's your scout of LSU? I think, I mean, LSU just looks like, I mean, obviously they lost a lot of, well, they had some opt outs. And they lost, I mean, if you look at the guys they put in the league from last year, Justin Jefferson, the running back for the Chiefs, Claire, whatever his name is. I mean, they have quite a few guys, and they're playing very well in the NFL. So they were just a loaded team um, the year before. I think they just like a team who lost everybody and, um, you know, just kind of one of those hangovers from an extremely awesome year for LSU. So, I mean, they, they, they just it's not the typical LSU that you typically see. Very uninspired football. Defense is very bad. And they are, um, they, they don't have much of an identity on offense either. So, um, but they still have a lot of good athletes. I mean, that's typical LSU. Um, they have a lot of guys that that were high recruits and stuff out there on the field, so they are able to muster up a couple wins. But for the most part, not your typical LSU team. I feel like Ole Miss would um, would definitely have success against them, if not um, handle them pretty well. Terrence Marshall, the latest LSU Tiger to opt out. They did lose a lot. All the stars aligned perfectly for LSU to win a national championship last year. Joe Burrow transferring in and becoming a generational talent, having the best single season of any quarterback in college football history. Joe Brady being the hot, up-and-coming, nailed offensive coordinator hire that Ed Orgeron made. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, generational running back, bell cow running back. Justin Jefferson, in my opinion, it's probably going to go to Justin Herbert, but in my opinion, Justin Jefferson should be Offensive Rookie of the Year. Who does he remind you of as I continue this? Honestly, this is weird. I think he's 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 sort of similar to to Odell Beckham. I think. I mean, he's got that. That's what um, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I, he's very. Which is, I mean, it's two LSU guys, but he is maybe not quite as athletic as as Odell, but very similar. And he just he just good route runner, solid guy, makes plays. Um, had d- does have enough burners to really to really get after you. I, I think. I mean, he really reminds me of Odell, which is which is crazy. So yes, they did lose a lot, but this leads me to what I really wanted to discuss with you. You were recruited by Ed Orgeron. Has the Ole Miss Ed Orgeron shown up now at LSU? Listen, I I, I personally like Ed Orgeron. Um, I, you know, I, I know people that you know are close to him family wise. Um, Ed, Ed really benefited from Joe Burrow and Joe Brady. There's no other, no other way around it. I mean, he had the perfect storm happen down there. Um, he got out of the way of his coordinators and let them, you know, lead him to the national title while he just kind of managed the whole scene. He's a great recruiter. Um, you know, but Ed's one of those guys, like a lot of people, he needs, he needs good coordinators in his corner. And, um, you know, I, I think that it, Time will tell within the next couple of years if he doesn't, um, you know, get it back on track and get them where they're more competitive. Then it was obvious that year was was more more so on Joe Brady and and this coordinators. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's a little too early to tell that. Ed's a great recruiter, a great motivator. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think time will tell. But but all signs lead to um, lead to yeah, it's LSU could be in for some rough days. Is he the next Gene Chizik? I've toed with that idea for sure, but but he's at a school where where talent flocks to it, and you're in a state where I mean, it's just loaded with talent. So I think the way he recruits, he's going to be able to get a lot of um, I mean, a lot of really good players. I think his floor there is going to be more like a less miles if if um, you know, if things things go bad. I think he'll be able to maintain always at eight nine wins, you know, when everything's normal and they they get they get you know don't lose so many guys. Um, 
but that's just LSU in general. You can put me and you in there to coach LSU for the next two years. We're going to win seven or eight games. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would be terrible. But my hires for coordinators would be better than Bo Pelini. Correct. Yeah, no, he's um, – I like yeah. I mean, he's a – he's – he did well there, but I think he he's one of those guys who really needs to make sure his coordinators are in line with, with what he really wants to do. When he's going bad, what's wrong? Um, I, I see like when there's a lot of mistakes on defense, stuff like that. Um, yeah, he gets really frustrated, and I can see him you know, turning back into a um, very frustrated coach like he was the whole time at Ole Miss. Um, you know, obviously, he was, we were always so close, but I mean, you've seen that. There was a video posted the other day um, of him on the sideline. I think after they gave up a touchdown, man, he went he went old school, um, Coach O, and I, I text my my good friend um, a video of him. I was like, man, this is the Coach O we knew right here. He was going off on the sideline. So, um, yeah, it's he, he can definitely turn pretty quick. You don't think that he has LSU practicing during halftime of a game or a rainstorm or a rain delay during a game, right? I mean, I don't know. He could be ripping their shirts off, the coaches' <laughs> shirts off, everyone's shirts off. I mean, that was, that's the only thing I remember is him just yanking shirts off coaches and pulling whistles out of mouths and stuff. So, yeah, he's um, yeah, he he was something else at Ole Miss. But I tell you what, we were – I tell people all the time that was, the most, that was the most mentally tough I ever was in my life. When I survived that freshman year, which I don't know how I did, I was – nothing could have phased me after that until this day. Nothing can phase me at any practice um, compared to him. Greg Shiano was the next closest, but Coach O was, was times two of that. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. It's the holiday season, and what better gift for yourself, for your significant other, than a new car? Well, the only place to go this time of year to get that done is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans. They'll probably want to talk some Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss football, upcoming Ole Miss basketball, some baseball, but more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Celebrate the holiday in style. Alan Samuels. Let's be friends. What were practices like under Ed Orgeron? Uh, well, I was a I was a freshman, so obviously I had the worst of the worst. So <clears throat> he put all freshmen in black shirts. So we'd all have black jerseys. Um, we'd have to service against the one. So they would he would let them just pound us. <clears throat> then after practice, we would do something called the black shirt scrimmage. Well, we only had five O linemen. And we would seriously run 65 plays. So we would just drive down the field, turn around. He'd blow the wind, go driving back. I mean, it was just – and he would just move the ball down the field. It, I'm telling you right now, it was to the point where it would break you. I mean, absolutely break you mentally. I mean, just you you just did probably 100-something plays in practice. And then you go full-speed tackle for another 60-something after practice. So, um I mean, it was it was something serious. I never forget calling my dad multiple times, going, "Man, this college stuff is um, is next level." I just had no clue that that was um, harder than any college practice I'd ever go through. Yeah, you had no idea that that's not normal. Yeah, zero, zero chance. That could never pass. No coach could ever get away with that in twenty 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 one ever. Well, and that no coach should ever. I mean, that's that that, that workload on your player. You expect them to show up on Saturday and be um, ready to go is um, just super unrealistic sports science is, is there for a reason and it's and it's made advancements for a reason because the stuff they used to do um was, was obviously the reason most guys from back in the day have, have health issues and all kinds of stuff so um yeah they're trying to do a better job of making the game you know safer and um a, lo- a lot smarter when it comes to prepping for a game was there ever a true high under ed Ordron? um you know that you have to think about it is the most telling thing, man. <laughs> I just think I was so lost as a, as I mean, I can't, yeah, it was, your, it was my freshman year. It's just like any freshman, man. Like, 
I don't remember hardly any highs. I mean, maybe maybe the the true high was actually getting to travel every game, always making the travel team, which you know obviously I was rated pretty low coming in, so. I always thought that was carry that chip on my shoulder. Like, Hey, there's a dudes that were way higher than me ranked, but they're not even getting to travel. And there's only a handful of us freshmen that actually let travel. So I think mean, that was probably the biggest high. The one highly ranked guy that really shocked you with how not good he was. Oof. Um, I mean, I got one, but I don't want to be mean. I don't know. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I know there's a bunch um, throughout my, my career at Ole Miss. I mean, I can't think of any that just really pop out um, crazy to me. Why didn't Enrique Davis work out? Um, you know what? I, I mean, I think he was he was wasn't a bad player. He just never really got got going for us. It was weird. I don't know that. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was just a bad fit for him offensively, or um, you know, really if he just wasn't a fit for this place. But yeah, I just don't think he ever was. Um, he ever really, I don't know. I just don't think he ever got going. He, he showed flashes in practice at times, decent athlete, but he, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he was, maybe he was a little overrated, but he just wasn't a fit for Ole Miss. If there was ever a guy that was truly underappreciated, underrated, even though he was a five-star guy, it was not Brent Schaefer's fault that he didn't work out. Brent Schaefer with any competent coach, would have been really good. Once Hugh Freeze got to call plays when y'all went to LSU and almost won, and Brent was the quarterback, you saw flashes of what he could have been. That kid got um, screwed. Well, Brent Brent got screwed off one thing, and that's, man, the offenses in college football were, were like a couple of years away from shifting to like this whole spread out kind of deal. If Brent Schaefer was a recruit right now, he'd be one of the, he'd be one of the top guys in the nation again. And he would actually come in and produce at a really crazy level. But these offenses you see now just didn't exist whenever we were playing. Whenever we, I mean, it was all drop back. The only people run the spread were the Big Twelve, and everybody thought that they were just a defensive, you know, a non-defensive league with, um, you know, just putting up a ton of points. And every time you played them, you would just crush them because they didn't know anything about defense. So yeah, this offense, offenses like like are, what are going on now, did not exist when I was in in, in school. And, and unfortunately, Brent was. Um, you know, one of those guys didn't look good. But then you got to ask yourself, what would an Eli Manning look like in an offense like like they are now? He'd be great at passing, but you know, you would have no RPO. You'd have no. I mean, it we'll, wouldn't we'll, matter. Uh, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, I mean, hey, you just don't know because you, you you have never seen it. But he, um, yeah, I mean, down this more spread out type offense was was definitely uh, um, would definitely benefit a Brent Schaefer. Like every other kid, well, mostly every other kid, you probably knew from early on that you wanted to play football and that you were going to play football. That was your dream, and you were going to accomplish it. Of course, a lot of us had that dream, and we stopped growing, and we weren't very good to begin with. So what I wanted to do when I grew up constantly changed. So I finally, because I was obsessed with recruiting services ever since I was in high school, and that was at the advent of recruiting services. I remember where I was when Frank Gore and Roscoe Parrish spurned Ole Miss for Miami. I loved recruiting services very early on, right when they were starting to catch fire, and I was obsessed with them in college. And I knew all I wanted to do was that. Not necessarily cover just recruiting, but cover Ole Miss, write about Ole Miss, write about... That's what I wanted to do. I found what I thought was my niche, fit me, what worked for me. And this worked out pretty well. I say that because I'll never forget... There are very few moments, it's still in my mind, that I remember where I was when it happened. And it's so sad because in the overall grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. But I'll never forget where I was on the same day when it popped up on the Ole Miss Spirit on Rebel Grove. At the time was rebelsports.net or something. Brent Schaefer and Kadera Easton committed on the same day. And I thought, oh my God, Ed Orgeron, the dynamite monster recruiter, he's paying off, Ole Miss is taking off and thinking... This is the time. This is the time where Ole Miss is going to take the leap, and it never happened because Brent Schaefer got screwed. Yeah, Cordero Eason, man, that he was a highly ready guy too. He, he was, was good he though. Was good. Yeah, he was. He was a good player. Good, but I mean, was he? You know, you think he was really a five star, and he was here. I mean, he was. He was solid, solid football player, but he wasn't. Um, wasn't quite quite a world beater. We've kind of gone off track here. I'm sorry. We've walked down memory lane, but this is what happens. When the game that was supposed to be played on Saturday gets canceled, I come back around to ask if Ole Miss and LSU do play, do you think Ole Miss would win the game? Yeah, I think Ole Miss won the game, but I think it'll be a tight one. You know, obviously we're going on the road down there. 
Um, but no, no, not I me. Mean, I don't know if they have many fans or not down there at their games, but, um, the environment won't be like, like typical environment. And I, I could see Ole Miss really getting after them, man. There's no way they could stop us. Um, and I, and I think we have what it takes to get some turnovers and stop them. I could see it being much like the South Carolina game. Um, you know, similar to the state game. I think, I think we're better than them. I think we would, we would beat them by, um, you know, at least a touchdown or two. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. I don't care what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. David Brandt, good buddy of mine, works for the Associated Press. Coming up here shortly on the Modern Woodman phone line, let's talk some recruiting. <laughs> Wow. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this! A couple days ago, Lane Kiffin sends out early in the morning, good morning for a flip. Nothing happened. John Lewis committed to Mississippi State. MJ Daniels reaffirmed his commitment to Mississippi State. And you might have been left questioning what happened. What was Lane Kiffin talking about? I can tell you this, Monday night, John Lewis and MJ Daniels both had told Ole Miss they were coming and they were committing. So something happened. Something happened between then to those commitment and reaffirmed commitments the next morning. Something happened. I'm not a person who covers Mississippi State. I am not obsessed with Mississippi State like a certain rival beat reporter is for Ole Miss. Something happened because I know for a fact that those two players told Ole Miss they were in. But a couple of days later, on Wednesday, Brandon Buckhalter announced his commitment to Ole Miss. That was expected. And Mikhailin Pounders actually committed a little earlier than many expected, but the inevitable happened. He decommitted from Mississippi State, and now he is a member of the Ole Miss recruiting class of 2021. DeAndre Prince, who is a member of the Ole Miss football team, cornerback. Last season, Johnny Brown, remember him, former Ole Miss defensive back. He was on this podcast in the spring, said that DeAndre Prince was coming back. Well, Wednesday, he announced on Twitter that is in fact happening. And I called around and checked in. That apparently is real. He is returning. And no, he would not count towards the 26. He would count back to 2019. It's a free shot. I love the idea of bringing back DeAndre Prince because it's a free lottery ticket. Why would you not take him? Because he showed enough as a true freshman to make me think at least that he would be one of, if not the best defensive back Ole Miss has this year. So getting him back, seeing if there's still upside there, it's a free shot. But Brandon Buckhalter, McCollum Pounders, they're Ole Miss Rebels now too. And up next will probably be J.J. Henry or the former Florida statewide receiver commitment. There are a lot of different options for what's next, but for what has happened now, Brad, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously it, it's some pretty exciting news. I think this, this class is going to shape up and get pretty close to the top 25, if not right in there. Um, I mean, it's it's looking great. I mean, I'm I'm super excited about it. It's pretty, uh, the Buckhalter kid really excites me. I watched some film on him. He looks he looks really similar to AJ Brown. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to be that good, but he looks really good. Um, you know, the Pounders kid's always good to get some good old linemen. Um, yeah, I mean, this, so far I'm I'm excited to to see where where we end up. A little odd about the um, yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that that the Daniels kid and the other one said they were um, they were coming <laughs> coming to Ole Miss. I don't I don't know what would what would make them change? I mean, it's obvious. What, what could make, make change. them change? Change, no pun intended. Um, yeah, it's a um, yeah. I mean, I think we got a lot of, got a lot of momentum going. I, I really want to get this Malone key. I think his name's Taiwan Malone. I, now he is a he is a real deal. I watched some film on him. He um, very good movement, moves like like a next level guy already. And you look at it, you get Prince, you get a Malone, you get add a few more defense guys, you get Otis Reese coming back. You then all of a sudden you turn around and say, Hey, our defense is is starting to look good. You know, you got the, the some JUCO kids coming in. I think our defense is setting up to be to be pretty improved if we can nail all the people I think we're gonna get. Yeah, the two biggest commitments right now for me are Jamon Gordon and Iton. I went blank for a second there about the Florida State decommitment. It's Malik McLean. I talked about him on Tuesday. Malik McLean has gotten all the crystal balls lately to commit to Ole Miss, and that's another big get. Ole Miss is going to flirt with the top 25 class, and that's certainly an accomplishment considering where they were and all the things that Lane Kiffin and staff had to deal with throughout this entire recruiting cycle, this unique recruiting cycle that will never 
happen again in our lifetime. So it's a big shift in momentum for Ole Miss in recruiting and the early signing period starting on Wednesday. It couldn't happen at a better time. So if you had to look at the current commit list or the guys that have recently committed, the one that excites you the most, it sounds like, is Brandon Buckhalter. Yeah, Buckhalter looks really good. Um, I'm really excited about him, especially because, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out that who's that 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 next receiver that – that comes in and, and, you know, really pushes the guys that are already there and, and has a chance to come in and catch a lot of balls and guys like that are, um, are definitely potential, but I'm, I, I'm big on this Malone guy. I mean, I, um, I really want to get him. I think he is a, he's a legit difference maker. He's the you know top five defense tackle in the nation. So he, he, who I hope we, we can get is, um, what would be by far my most intriguing prospect. In regards to pounders, as a former offensive lineman, it takes offensive linemen usually, most of them, not Laramie Tunsil. He played left tackle and was awesome from day one. That's not typical. He's not a typical guy. Most offensive linemen come in, and it takes them a little bit of time to get acclimated. What is the adjustment for a guy like a McKylan Pounders, who's similar to you in regards to, yes, he was a coveted prospect, but not the most highly ranked guy. So there's going to be things that you have to work on in order to get into game-ready shape and be ready for when your time is called, be it your redshirt freshman year or your redshirt sophomore year. It might be a multi-year project until Pounders is in the starting lineup. So what is the path ahead? What are the obstacles he's going to have to overcome to get to the lineup? Yeah, well, I mean, he's just going to have to spend a year um, really getting his body right and, and being ready for the um, you know, how, how, you know, vicious and violent it is in the sec right now. He's, I wouldn't say he's undersized. He's, he's, you know, two ninety five. looking at him, you know, in person, he's probably a little lighter than that. So he's going to have to get to a solid three ten, three fifteen, And then you're coming from Bahelia. I mean, Bahelia, Mississippi is a smaller school. Um, if I had to guess, he probably goes to a smaller school up there. Um, it's just going to be a little bit of adjustment, but, but all things, he looks like a really good athlete. i um, watched him on film, got good feet. Um, can move well, and that's really all you need. That and a little bit of attitude, and you can you can play O line. So, um, it's just going to take a little while to get get kind of prepared. I see him being a potential redshirt guy. In the completely unsurprising news of the week, Grant Tisdale has entered the transfer portal. Yeah, that. Um, I mean, I, I feel like they should let him go. I mean, I know that Lane just didn't know coming in what he had, um, so he wanted all hands on deck. But I, I mean, I feel like Grant probably should have went a year year earlier. Just. Um, you know, based off what was there and, and, you know, what, what Kiffin would probably end up bringing in a guy that he liked anyways, but he's a talented kid. Um, I, I hope he does well. Um, I, I anticipate him going somewhere probably closer to home or somewhere like that, but yeah, I, I'd be excited. I'll be excited to see where he ends up. I think he's a good kid and I, I wish him well. I just, I hate it didn't work out at Ole Miss. He just is here at one of those times where, um, you know, we have so much talent there, but Grant, we would have took you in 2012, buddy. Um, sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, you're a little late. Thing about quarterbacks is, if you don't win the job, you got to move. You have yep. to. And Grant, he tried to move or was going to move at the end of last year when Matt Luke was still the head coach before he got fired. He came out of the transfer portal to compete for the job that Matt Corral won outright pretty early. But he came back to, in his mind, compete because once he did enter the portal last year, it was a pretty cold market for him. So I hope that this time entering the portal, he has more options, but I think he will have more options because I think any player of, not to say he's just a marginal talent, but you get what I'm saying. If you have some talent, I think that there are going to be more options for you in this portal because of the ability to come in and play immediately. It was a tough obstacle to go into the portal knowing you have to sit out because a lot of schools, they fall in love with the next guy even though the next guy might not be better than Grant Tisdale. They fall in love with the next guy because the shiny new toy is always better than the toy that's been played with a little bit, and you wonder why you got it to begin with. A lot of the coaches probably wondered, why did Grant Tisdale not work out at Ole Miss? Not really factoring in that Matt Corral, John Rice Plumley were ahead of him. They just beat him out. He does have talent. But last year, when he entered that portal, it was a cold, cold, cold portal for him. And I really hope and believe that this will be a better portal for him and he'll land pretty softly. I don't know where that will be, but he does have talent. A lot of people like to point to the Alabama game where he threw those passes, including a touchdown, and he looked pretty good. Now, that was in mop-up duty against Alabama's third string, but Alabama's third string is, what, Ole Miss's second string? There is something there, and I do think he'll find a job. But he's the second quarterback to now enter the portal. Cade Renfro, Grant Tisdale. I don't think he'll necessarily be the last. Kincaid Dent could go into the portal. John Rice Plumley is going to go into the portal. So if he does, 
that's three losses out of the quarterback room. And that doesn't matter because your starter is returning, but filling that depth for if, God forbid, something happens to Matt Crowell, that is a concern. So I'm curious if Lane Kiffin and staff, you know you're bringing in Luke Altmaier, but ideally he doesn't really play much, if at all, next year. He just sits and learns, and then he's ready to take over as a redshirt freshman if Matt Crowell does indeed leave after next year. I wonder if they don't peruse the JUCO market, if they don't peruse the grad transfer market, and bring in somebody that can compete not with Matt Corral, because that ain't going to happen, but can compete with Luke Altmaier to back up Matt Corral if, God forbid, something happens. I think that that's a realistic thing. It reminds me a lot of Shea Patterson, and now with hindsight, was unjustifiably crowned the starter, but Shea Patterson was Ole Miss's starting quarterback, and Ole Miss had such a hard time recruiting across the country to try to find a quarterback to come in and back him up. Jordan Tiamu was the perfect guy. It was Ole Miss in Minnesota. He was coming from a pretty unknown JUCO. There wasn't much film out on Jordan Tiamu, especially coming out of high school. He was a no recruit, no stars. No one really knew him. Goes to JUCO and does some good things. He's still not highly recruited, but some, some Power 5 schools offered him. But it came down to Ole Miss in Minnesota. He chose Ole Miss, and what happened? Jordan Tiamu, everybody knows, steps in when Shea goes down and took over. And yes, Shea transferred out, but let's not act like Shea's job was guaranteed if he was coming back. His dad actually sat down with Matt Luke and said, we'll stay if you guarantee that Shea Patterson is going to be the starting quarterback. And Matt Luke, to his credit, said, I can't guarantee you that at all. How could I guarantee you that? Look at what Jordan Tiamu did in limited time. I can't guarantee you that. Yeah, Jordan Jordan was so much. It it wasn't wasn't even close. Jordan, that was Jordan Tiamu's job. He was twice the quarterback Shea Patterson was. And that's, I mean, Jordan, Jordan was a much better player. Now, Jordan is no longer with the Kansas City Chiefs, but he lasted longer this offseason with the Chiefs than Shea did. I'm not saying, I'm just yeah. saying. Jordan's like one, of, he's one of those guys who just, in the NFL at quarterback, there's a couple positions really hard to get an opportunity, a legit opportunity, as Chad Kelly just just showed everybody. He's a very good quarterback, and the times he did get in, he did he did fine, and he had an issue happen. But yeah, quarterbacks is a hard hard to get an opportunity. It would take someone going down and you having to just, you know, go in there. But the Walker kid for Carolina, you know, he he finally got an opportunity because his head coach at Temple was there. Right. And, you know, he get, he went in and did did really good in the game. Well, if Jordan Tiamo had to go into an NFL game, I can assure you he would do fine. It's just one of those things that quarterbacks is one of those positions where, I mean, it's very, very tough to get a shot. And there's been a lot of good guys um, fall out of the league that probably were a lot better than than what they were given credit for. Chad Kelly, for example. But point being... I think Ole Miss would probably do well to go find, not necessarily the next Jordan Tiamu, because that's easier said than done, but find a guy that if you needed him to step in, could he produce for you? And I think Ole Miss will try to do that. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Bradley Sal. David Brandt coming up here in just a second on the Modern Women phone line. Thanks, man. Yep. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, talk of champions on iTunes. And when you do leave a five-star review, doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search talk of champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. Going now to David Brandt on the Modern Woodman phone line after we hear from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. 
where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. Joining me now on the Modern Women phone line is David Brandt of the Associated Press, a good friend of the program. How you doing, buddy? What's going on? Doing well. Just, uh, you know, doing some NFL football out here. The Cardinals are, are fading a little bit, but uh, and, and I've actually got double duty because the 49ers got moved out here too. So uh, I've done a few 49ers game. I did the Monday night game against the Bills a couple days ago. And uh, yeah, so it's all football all the time. You didn't go talk to Dawson Knox or DJ Jones? No, I didn't, but I got to see Dawson Knox play really well. It's it's a great, you know, he had a four-yard uh, touchdown dove into the end zone. Probably a bunch of Ole Miss fans saw that. He's a, he's a heck of a player. It, it's just fascinating. You know, I realize that Ole Miss had a great receiving core. I mean, there's only so many footballs to go around, but, man, Dawson Knox was good, and Ole Miss kind of – underutilized in his days uh in college but he's he's turning into a really good pro yeah no shit brant he caught zero touchdowns <laughs> over his Ole Miss career now a former walk-on quarterback was dawson knox converted to tight end and i remember after evan ingram left everybody rolled their eyes whenever phil longo and the offensive staff would sing the praises of dawson knox about how good this player was how it'd be a seamless transition because you're like oh my god really this is the best tight end to probably ever play at Ole Miss and Evan Ingram. He's just going to be replaced by Dawson Knox. But Dawson Knox was that good. And you're right. They didn't utilize him. And Phil Longo deserves to be criticized for having an offense. I know the defense was bad, historically bad under Wesley McGriff. I get that. But an offense with Jordan Tiamu, Scotty Phillips, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Dawson Knox, and I haven't even gotten to the offensive line to not win seven, eight, nine games with that offense, even though your defense is awful, that's criminal. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that should be an eight and four team. If you are elite on one side of the ball, which they were in the passing game, uh, Jordan Diamond was, was really good, kind of underrated in his year. And then of course, you know, we've talked about the weapons. They had a good running game too. Um, you know, they could do everything well. And I think when you dominate on one side of the ball, you should at least be a seven or eight win team. I mean, the, the defense was always going to hold them back a little, but you got to find some ways to, to win a few more games, 48 to 38 or something like that. The offensive talent was too good for that team to be so bad. I brought yeah, you, you on six or seven NFL players. Yeah, it's insane. You had DK Metcalf and AJ Brown in the same wide receiver group. Full stop. But I brought you on because LSU has made some news. On Wednesday, they announced a self-imposed one-year bowl ban at three and five. How brave. It's hard if you're an Ole Miss fan not to draw comparisons with Ole Miss's NCAA investigative case. You are friends with many of the national media. Pat Forty, Dan Wilkin, you know these guys better than I do. I know Dan, don't really know Pat. Dan and I don't particularly care for each other. My question for you, because you are not the national media, I'm not making you be a proxy for these guys, but where the hell are they? That's a good question, a little bit. But I, I think that Hugh Freeze made himself such a target for a lot of people, it was just so, and it was a different time. There was no COVID. I, I think that's a lot of it. I think that, you know, right now, NCAA violations and bowl bans are just kind of, eh, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And, you know, kind of perspective, I think, takes over a little bit. I think if Old Miss's case had been in 2020, uh, that things would have been a little different. I just think that, um, you know, I, I think Hugh Freeze was a popular target for a lot of reasons just because he was so, I don't know, flamboyant's the right word, but he was definitely outspoken uh, about certain things. We all know about the the Twitter thing about, you know, send emails to compliance at oldness.edu and all that. And, and he just, I, I think he frustrated a lot of people like that. And so it, it made him an easy target. So I, I agree with you. When I look at this LSU case, I think of a lot of the same things and it takes me back three or four years ago uh, to that time. But I, I think the differences are one. I just think Hugh freeze was a more inviting target. Some his fault, some not his fault. Um, and, and then I just think 2020 has totally thrown, you know, NCA violations out of whack. I, I just don't think people are as concerned about that as they were before. Well, that answer then confirms all of our suspicions that, Pat Forty, Dan Wilkin, they're biased national hacks. They really aren't there to be 
purveyors of truth, if you will. They're not trying to play things fair and balanced. They're not. And they never were. They tried to act like they were, and that was their motivation for how relentless they were in their attacks of Ole Miss during NCAA investigative case. And I'm not saying Ole Miss is a victim here. I'm not. Ole Miss did some things wrong with the NCAA. Okay, a lot of schools do. It's just the coverage of it is baffling to me. And you're a smarter man than I am. You're a national guy that has known these guys for a much longer time than I have. I'm just a lowly beat reporter covering Ole Miss. It just doesn't really wash when Pat Forty in 2016, before Ole Miss signed that 2016 class that was A.J. Brown and Greg Little in them, releases a scathing column all but saying, hey, recruits, don't go here because this is how bad Ole Miss is. Ole Miss is uniquely cheating or whatever it is. This team was cheating at a level we haven't seen since SMU. And you look at LSU and Ed Orgeron, the same Ed Orgeron they made fun of relentlessly when he was at Ole Miss. And you've got a guy that has robbed money from a charity and they're nowhere to be found. It's hard for me to square that, to give them the benefit of the doubt when they come out and try to say that I I have no bias. I'm just trying to cover this down the middle. It's just not true. Just admit it and I'll have more respect for you. Yeah, I think without going into, I'm not in Pat or Dan's head, you know, as far as... Again, I'm not thinking, treating you as a proxy. I'm not attacking David. No, David is smarter I, I than me, so I want him to explain it to me because I don't get it. These are all fair questions. What I will say is just generally speaking, I think that personal bias, you know, personal interest does play a part in some of this stuff. And I think timing matters. I think personalities matter. And to say that you know, any reporter, me, you, anybody goes after every story exactly the same, you know, it is, is probably untrue. You know, there are certain things, certain people irritate us more, you know, and things like that. And I, I think that Ole Miss historically also had not been, at least in the last 20 or 30 years, a major player on the recruiting trail. I think that was a part of it. Um, you know, I, I think Hugh Freeze just rubs some people the wrong way. I think that there were things that he did, um, you know, and again, some his fault, some not his fault. I don't, you know, personalities sometimes clash, but to say, I think for any reporter, whether it's me or Dan or, or Pat, um, I, I think personal, I don't want to say vendettas, but I mean, you have personal interests in some stories. And I think because of the timing of that oldness thing, just, it was such a, tailor-made story to be, I don't even know what I'm trying to get at. You, you know what I mean, though? It, it was just perfect for... It was the perfect storm for after. that, and I get that. But I admit that as humans, we're all flawed. I am biased. I went to Ole Miss. I grew up an Ole Miss fan. You and I have had many conversations just hanging out at a bar about that and how I can't run away from that, and I really don't. I still try to do the job as fair and balanced as I can, but I'm not going to run away from the past that is my past. I acknowledge that there is going to be some bias in what I do. For everyone, it's like that. For Chase Parm, it's like that. For Chuck Ronsville, it's like that. Yancey's way worse than anybody. I love him to death, but I mean, my God. But the point being, yes, there is bias in your reporting. That's fine if you acknowledge it, if you own it. The false narrative that Dan would spin when he would go on Bo Bounds or whatever, that Neil McCready, he's called me and Neil by name on Bo Bounds' show about how we were effectively partisan hacks for Ole Miss. And then you turn around years later, first completely disregarding his coverage of Tennessee's coaching search and how effectively he ran PR for Tennessee. And taking into account his lack of coverage of LSU, it just reeks of everything that fans have a problem with with the media. Do I think it's all fair? No, but I get it. I get why fans would hate the media when this is the result that you get. I don't think I would be as frustrated, dude, if Dan didn't make it so personal between me and him. And Neil, he called us by name. So that's why I'm kind of calling him by name now. Because this stuff with LSU is so eerily similar. And I will grant you this. Hugh Freeze was an easy target. And that tweet, the infamous tweet, if you have a complaint, send an email to Ole Miss Compliance, whatever, .edu. And Matt Luke and Tyler Siski, I was told, were in that room as he was about to send this tweet, crafting this tweet, just fuming mad, saying this is not the right idea. This is a bad idea, man. You shouldn't do this. Let it go. It's Twitter. Twitter isn't real life. And Hugh Freeze did what he wanted to do. He's nothing if not stubborn. But just own it. Just own it. Don't pretend like... You are the beacon of journalism. And then when a huge, massive story with a college football blue blood is right there in your face, you are not pursuing it 
with the same fervor as you pursued Ole Miss's NCAA investigative case because Ole Miss, for you, didn't belong in that tier of the untouchables. It's like I said with Bradley Sale earlier. LSU, at least if you look at it from my perspective for Dan and Pat and the rest of the national media, LSU is one of those programs that is too big to fail. Ole Miss wasn't a program that is too big to fail. They were close to breaking through the glass ceiling. Had 4th and 25 not happened, gone to Atlanta, won, beaten Florida in the rematch, and then gone to the college football playoff. They're too big to fail. It's similar to Clemson when they broke through the glass ceiling. That's when you don't get this belief that how can Ole Miss be doing this? Fighting that perception, fighting that bias. It's not owning it, David. Yeah, and I, I can't really argue with, with much of what you said because I, I – uh, it's an issue sometimes, and again, I'm not talking about like Dan or, or Pat or like that, but just generally speaking, I think sometimes, you know, this is how the sausage is made. You know, people have interests and biases, and, you know, you try to keep them at, as, you know, low key as possible. But, um, yeah, I think sometimes those come through, and I just think, again, timing matters, too. I think I think the one thing you're playing a little bit is just that LSU is, I quote, fortunate right now just because the world is such a mess and college football is such a mess that I think that, you know, this news, if, if this had happened in 2018 with LSU, it would be huge news, and I think you would see – quite a bit more coverage, but I just think that because everybody is kind of stuck on doing zoom calls and everybody's, you know, kind of distance and not traveling as much. Um, I, I think that plays into it, but, but yeah, I, I think that everyone, I, I think that is frustrating sometimes when reporters, you know, you, everybody picks and chooses what stories you go after. And sometimes that's just because you have a finite amount of time in your day, you try to kind of cherry pick, like, what is the most important thing? What is the easiest thing I could do? What do I think, you know, whatever your individual preferences, biases, you just evaluate the situation. And so I think at the time, Ole Miss was very attractive for a lot of different reasons, again, because of Hugh Freeze. And then I think that LSU is avoiding a little more scrutiny than normal just because 2020 is such a weird year. But they're doing their jobs anyway. They're writing stories. They're intentionally avoiding this. So I don't want to belabor the point. We've talked about it for about 14, 15 minutes here, so I don't want to keep belaboring the point. But it is frustrating, and I would get why Ole Miss fans would be angry. I will also acknowledge that LSU doesn't have the Steve Robertson equivalent of an in-state rival beat reporter relentlessly going after some obsession that he has with the rival school that he just loathes. So that's part of it, too. Okay, getting away from that angle of it. I didn't mean to bum rush you. Again, I want to repeat here. I want to acknowledge No, that's fine. You know I love you to death. I love David. David's my dude. This is the, you're listening in on a conversation we would have off the record where he would have to say, Ben, calm down. This, this is what you need to factor right, in and it'll calm it, down. I'd be silly if I didn't acknowledge that I understand why Olmos fans are kind of intrigued by this. And, and so, you know, I, I think it's, it's a lot of factors. And, you know, the biggest to me, honestly, is just 2020 so bizarre. But I, I think these are totally fair questions and, and really interesting questions. Just don't be a coward. But moving away from that angle of it, the Ole Miss perspective of it is this. Has the Ole Miss Ed Orgeron finally showed up at LSU? We'll get right back to David Brant in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy and PropSwap.com, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. The holiday season is the most wonderful time of the year. But with the holiday season comes changes in the weather, family members coming down with colds, whatever it might be. Of course, you want to make sure that you have a safe and sick-free and fun holiday season, but the only way to do that is to ensure that your pharmacy is one that you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. 
They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Stay safe and make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The newest addition to the Talk of Champions family of advertisers is PropSwap.com. PropSwap.com is an online marketplace where you can buy and sell sports betting tickets. Whether it's a long shot future, a parlay with one game left, or even a straight bet at halftime, PropSwap lets you post your ticket for sale and lock in your money before the event is over. PropSwap is also a great place to purchase tickets from the comfort of your home at better odds than the sports books are offering. Go to PropSwap.com today, register for an account, and enter promo code Biloxi. That's Biloxi, B-I-L-O-X-I, for a deposit match up to $100. Ask Clay Travis, Cousin Sal, or Darren Rovell about the value of PropSwap and add it to your repertoire to make yourself a profitable sports better. PropSwap.com, that's PropSwap, P-R-O-P-S-W-A-P.com, promo code Biloxi. You know, I was thinking about this because you you told me, obviously, that we were going to talk LSU. And I think it's more that it's sort of regressing to normal. You know what I mean? What what is not fascinating to me is 2020 LSU. What is fascinating to me is 2019 LSU and how everything perfectly came together and how Ed, to his total credit, you know, managed and, and, you know, got his ego out of the way. And that team was incredible. And for six or seven months, no one can take that away from him. Ed Orgeron is a national champion. Um, But I I think you're seeing that it had to be perfect. And it was, and Joe Burrow was obviously amazing. And they, everything hit perfectly. You know, there's a, there's a guy on the Arizona Cardinals. Now he was the fourth round pick of the Cardinals, Richard Lawrence. Uh, who played on that defensive line, a really interesting guy and, and just getting some of his insights into that team and, and everything. That was just a super talented team. Ed, to his credit was able to, you know, put the right people in place on the offensive and defensive staff. And that was perfect. And so again, it's not 2020 is not a surprise to me and, and it won't because I, I just think that with, with Orgerod, it, it really, there's something missing as far as usually how he kind of manages a roster, but I give him full credit also for what happened in 2019. They were awesome. And that's one of the greatest college football teams of all time. And it's just a fascinating dichotomy to me. But you do see the cracks in the armor of the facade that was the 2019 at Orgeron. And you start to see who this man is. I'm not knocking the dude. He is what he is. And to his credit, as bad as he was at Ole Miss, he was a hell of a recruiter. He brought in so much talent that Houston Nutt won enough with but then completely wasted away. Ed Orgeron can recruit. But the idea that Ed Orgeron was on a redemption tour last year and he was suddenly a new man and all those fanciful stories written about Ed Orgeron, come on, let's be real. The dude is who he is, and you've seen it on the sidelines, the explosions, and the clear cracks in the armor are there. Well, I, I think that Ed has coached long enough now that he has kind of a, a body of work. And so I, I think sometimes he does get into his own way. He does meddle in, you know, offensive schemes. Um, we, we know the pros and cons with him. He can really recruit, as you talked about. Um, he can motivate. He can do a lot of things really well. Um, and for a, again, and nothing, nobody can take it away from him for a seven or eight month period, whether it was just his, you know, guidance or just that he got out of the way. He got out of the way, man. (laughs) Right. Well, I kind of agree. And I, but that's his, you know, at least he had the wherewithal to do that. And they were one of the greatest college football teams of all time. And, and, you know, that's always going to be on his resume, and, and so will the other parts. That, you can't you know, take away the championship. Great. He's Gene Chizik at worst. So give it to him. Hey, flags fly forever. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, he, he you know, we were talking about Phil Mondo and the offense and Dawson Knox earlier. Um, he had kind of the defensive version of that at Ole Miss in the late 2000s where they had multiple mm. NFL players on that. You know, Kendrick Lewis. Greg Hardy, Parade, Parade Jerry, yeah. Emmanuel Stevens. I mean, uh, uh, gosh, Ashley, Ashley Palmer. Palmer was a really good player. Cassius Vaughn you played know, the league. Had, Marche. Yeah, Cassius Vaughn. Yeah, Marche. Those are 
players, man. They had seven or eight NFL players, eight more, and they still couldn't find a way to win one SEC game. That's kind of incredible. Were you there when, um, after the Egg Bowl loss, I think it was you that told me the story originally, then Chuck filled in all the details. When he took Chuck into a closet and Chuck was terrified and he's doing the snakes in my head, Chuck thing, was that your snakes story? Snakes in my head. Yeah, what was that story? Yeah, I, well, I, we were in the room. Um, it was my first Egg Bowl, actually, um, and it was 2007. It was when Ed had decided to go for it on fourth and one at midfield, remember, and it backfired on them. They were leading, I think, 14 to nothing at that time. And then, you know, State got the ball, drove the field, then like, I can't remember exactly, but they drove the field again. And then maybe in overtime or late in the fourth quarter, there was like a punt return or something like yeah, that. Piggies. I, I don't even, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, um, you know, after the game, obviously everybody's kind of in shock and we're all, you know, this is before SEC network. So it's just everybody in a real small room and, you know, I, everybody was kind of cramped in there and Ed, I remember took Chuck and because we were all in one room and took him in a back room and, you know, they were gone for like five minutes and you could kind of hear in the background. And then I just remember Chuck comes back into the room and, you know, at that point I had kind of, I knew Chuck pretty well. And and Chuck's eyes were so big. He's just like, Oh my God, David. I was like, what happened? And he goes, I'll tell you later. And then Ed came into the room you know, the, the whole snakes in the head comes out later and everything. But it, it was just kind of the realization that Ed got himself fired that day. Because if you remember, I had written a story a week or two ago quoting Robert Kayat that he said that unless Ed basically gets arrested, he is going to be the coach next year. I mean, that was the vote of confidence. It was, you know, uh, there was no way he could screw this up. And then he did screw it up somehow. Um and then, of course, we get Houston Nutt and the rest is history. But, yes, I, I do remember the snakes in the head. I just remember Chuck very rarely, and, and you know Chuck even better than me, he very rarely looked stunned. And he was – like he looked like he had seen a ghost. Yeah, apparently what happened is that when they got into that room, he backed Chuck kind of against a wall, and there was no escape for him. And, and big old Ed Orgeron is just pacing back and forth, doing a circular motion yeah. with his hands above his head going – I got snakes in my head, Chuck. I got snakes in my head. I got snakes in my head, Chuck. Because he had finally convinced himself of the reality that he was done. He was done. I'll never forget the very next day. I worked for Ole Miss SID at the time, if you remember. And I got a call from our friend Daniel Snowden at five in the morning. I had returned home for Thanksgiving. They said, get your ass back to Oxford. You've got to write a press release because Ed Ordron is going to be fired. And I went, what? 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 Well, the same thing happened to me. I called Rusty Hampton, who's the sports editor, longtime sports editor, Clayton Ledger. I was like, dude, because I got a few texts too. And I was just like, Ed's getting fired. And he was like, no, he's not. And I was like, yeah, he is. <laughs> like, we've got to, it, it, obviously it happened. But um, no, that was a, that was a wild day. And, and that was, you know, as far as my introduction, I think I've covered 12 Bulls. That was my first one. That was a really good first one as far as just kind of drama and, and ambiance. There's a lot of time between now and next Saturday. LSU is dealing with some COVID stuff, too, I've heard. Ole Miss is obviously dealing with its own COVID stuff. If that game does get in, in Baton Rouge, what do you think about it? Do you think Ole Miss wins? Honestly, yes. I think that all of the momentum, all of the good energy right now is on Ole Miss' side. Um, Here's a better know, question. Would it that, now be a disappointment if Ole Miss doesn't win? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think Ole Miss has established itself as a, as a solid team. Not a great team by any statement. Definitely a flawed team. Um, but one that could beat teams with, with losing records. And especially with LSU's atmosphere not being – quite what Death Valley always is. I, I would absolutely understand if, if old fans were, were upset if they didn't win that game. Cause they probably should. I'll be fascinated to see what the line is when it comes out. I'll be fascinated if they actually get the game in. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I'm well, kind that, of that over too, the regular season. Yeah. I'm kind of over it, man. I mean, it's December. What is it? 11th, well, I what think is today? both these teams, you know, Ole Miss has proven what it needed to prove, you know, as far as exactly. going forward. Yeah. I think there's really nothing. LSU isn't like super pumped to play that game either. Um, yeah, it, it won't shock me at all if, if it's canceled. Um, 
I wouldn't be shocked if it was played too, but yeah, I don't think that they're going to pull out all the stops to make sure that game is played. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you. Absolutely, Ben. Take care, man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.